0: Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Get out your, your Bibles, your phones. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time in Scripture, and as we, we are, I want to talk to you a little bit about this new series we're in, and it's, it's called Dog Days. And does anybody, are you familiar with the term Dog Days of summer? You guys, do you know where it comes from? Anybody? There was one guy in the first service who actually knew. It comes from the Romans, and it comes from the Romans because of Sirius, the the dog star. And the the dog star aligns with the sun in the middle of July in Rome, in in that particular time frame. And the Romans believed that the heat and the humidity and all of that stuff that just made life miserable in Rome occurred because of the alignment of the star, you know, the dog star with the sun. Hence the term dog days. Okay, that's my nerd moment. Everybody say thank you, Pastor Reese. <laughs> All right, I, I am what I am, as we say. But, but the point of that, as it relates to what we're, we're talking about here, is it's, it's become analogous to that season of waiting, that season of difficulty. Now, listen to me. We got a word about a month ago here that the Lord was going to be moving in a special way, bringing healing, deliverance, and freedom. Uh, you know, and that, that God was going, and we're, we're, we're seeing manifestations of that, you know, emotional healing, physical healing, you know, psychological healing is beginning to happen, and, and we're really just, we're seeing it, we're hearing, we're seeing people being set free from bondages, it's occurring, we're getting testimonies, we believe that all of us, in some way, have been under demonic influence, and I'm not saying that, that, that you know, we're all spinning our heads in circles and puking green, anybody get the cultural reference on that, you know, you got to be a certain. It's from a movie called The Exorcist. And, and, and so I'm not saying that we all need an exorcist, but, but we all need to be delivered of the influence of the enemy to deceive us and stop us from doing what God wants us to do. All right. And, and so, so we're, we're seeing that. But one of the things that happens is God speaks to us. And we receive something of a promise from him. It might be a promise of a healing. It might be a promise of a job. It could be a promise of a ministry. It could be a promise of, of whatever he's got for us. And he has good things for all of us. He's got blessings for us. And there is that moment when, when, when we receive that revelation of what God is speaking into our hearts. But then there is a waiting period until it manifests. God is not like Amazon Prime. You don't get it delivered same day. There is generally a pause. I mean, really? I mean, that, and people are surprised. This is how God created the world to operate. And, and you can look in the scriptures and find this in Genesis 8.22. This is, this is right after you know, Noah has kind of been delivered from the flood. And it says, as long as the earth endures... Seed time and harvest, a time for planting and a time for reaping, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. Smartest man in the world, Solomon, said this in Ecclesiastes, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. But that period, those dog days between the promise and the manifestation can get you down. Can I get an amen in this house? Has anybody been believing for something that hasn't happened yet? Geez, why not? <laughs> I mean, we all should be believing for something. God has promises. He's got good things for us. But those days in between can be difficult, which is why Paul wrote this to the church of Galatia. He said, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, have, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those of the family of faith. Have you been sowing into your dream? Have you been sowing into your vision? Have you been sowing into the promises of God? Have you been watering them with prayer and with, and with, with activities and with actions? Because God always has you participate with his miracle process. I mean, that's just the nature of it. You know, Again, it, it, God doesn't do everything for you. He gives you the opportunity to participate with him and bring about the manifestation. But if you've been doing that, you never have to fear that you won't have a harvest coming because you got a harvest coming. You have a harvest coming. And 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 if if you don't understand the process, if you don't understand the path. If you've got the promise and you're frustrated that you haven't seen the manifestation yet and you're not sure what you're supposed to do, I've got good news for you. God wants to help. The book of Proverbs says this it says in Proverbs 3:6 seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. He doesn't want you ignorant. He doesn't want you stupid. He doesn't want you frustrated. What he wants you to be is faithful to do what he shows you to do. Now I'm doing that, boss. I'm doing it. But I'm still not sure. Well, let me just explain to you. Everybody has dog days. You're not alone, and you're not unique. This morning, we're going to look at three men. We're going to look at Abraham. We're going to look at Moses. We're going to look at Paul. There is no one in human history who had a clearer call of God on their life, a more explicit instruction manual handed to them than these three guys. And all of them had difficulties in their life. All of them had dog days. And and in fact, look with me at Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is is God speaking to Abram. He says, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. How explicit is that? Now, you're here, go here, and this is gonna happen. Let's talk about Moses. You know, remember Moses? Moses was the guy that fled from Egypt. You, know, you may have seen the Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston. And, and he goes into a place called Midian and he meets a, you know, some shepherd women and he gets married to one. But then he has an encounter with God at a burning bush. And in the burning bush, the Lord tells him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering." So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites now live. Look the cry of my people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and you will lead my people out of Egypt. Again, explicit. Is there any ambiguity in what his calling is? Where he's supposed to go, what he's supposed to do, right? This is very clear. Lastly, Paul, this is the man who came and picked Paul up after he was struck blind and knocked off his mule. And the Lord speaks to me. he says, Go for Saul, which was Paul's first name, is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer, endure dog days, for my name's sake. And that's Paul, and that's Moses, and that's Abraham. There's something all three of those calls have in common with your call. Everybody's calling from God has these three components that that are common. They're commonalities. Your purpose in the kingdom will be to a place, a people, and a problem. Okay? A place. God doesn't send you everywhere, but he sends you somewhere. Okay? A people. God doesn't send us to everyone, but he sends us to someone. And a problem. God always uses his people to solve problems. The problem that Abraham had to solve is there was there was no distinction in the world between the people who followed Yahweh or Jehovah and everybody else. Because, you know, they'd all sort of survived from Noah, and then they were drifting away and creating their own gods. And the Lord needed to, to, to establish who's his and who's not. And so he created a people from a person. The person was Abraham, and he gave him a covenant, and that covenant had one, one act of obedience. What was that? Now circumcision. The only thing he asked Abraham to do, he told him to go, but he said, circumcise your sons. That's what you got to do, because I want to show a difference between us and them. There were other cultures that circumcised, but, but that was the uniqueness of the Jewish people. Now, so I'm going to create a people out of a person so everybody will know, you know, who's mine and not? Moses. What was the problem he had to solve? Because God's people were in slavery. Somebody had to get them out. Your job is to go get them out. That's your job. That's, those are your people. That's your place. That's the problem I'm sending you to solve. What was Paul's problem? Paul's problem is that God didn't send his son just to save the Jews. He sent his son to save everybody. And he wanted to spread Christianity throughout the entire world. So somebody had to go to Kings and get open doors. That's Paul. Somebody had to go to the Gentiles and tell them that God has a plan for you too. The same plan that's on the Jewish people is is available to you. It's not like the Abrahamic covenant. It's not like the the Mosaic covenant. The covenant we have in Christ applies to anyone. Anyone can come to God and have a relationship. He broke down the racial barriers, and that that was Paul's calling. And whatever it is that God is speaking to you, the promises he's putting in your heart... They're going to involve a people. They're going to involve a place, and they're going to involve a problem. guess right, got it? Is everybody awake? Is anybody awake? All right, you know, hey, let's let's try this. Just as I want you, we're going to do the wave, okay? I want everybody here. You guys know how to do the wave, okay? And then we're going to come across the room. We're going to come across the room. Okay, we're going to come back. Excellent. All right. Got a little interaction. (laughs) That's what we're trying to do here. The point of it is you may be in dog days, but don't give up the promises. Don't give up believing. Don't give up obeying. Don't give up saying, God, I'm confused. You need to show me the path because there's a people and a place and a problem that I'm called to minister to. Amen. And so that was it. So we've got that. The second thing I want you to, 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 really consider is why is our journey so difficult? Well, lots of reasons. But some of the reasons are the people who you're traveling with. Have you ever gone on a trip with someone who makes it miserable? You know, Have you ever had to look at one of your relatives and said, Would you just shut up and quit complaining until we get home? We're on vacation, and we're supposed to be enjoying this. Or is that just me? <laughs> Have you ever lost it for no reason while you're on a road trip? Yeah, every father should raise your hands. I know you, man. That's how we are. We go crazy for moments. There was no ice cream cone. I want my ice cream cone. But the, and, and that's it. You see, the people you are traveling with can make your journey better or worse. And now I'm going to tell you something about people. There are some people that are supposed to be your friends, but not your partners. Okay. There are people who are supposed to be not your partners they're your mentees you're supposed to develop them so so you have people for friendship you have people for partnership you have people for mentorship and you have people for no wayship Because there are some people that should, no way they should be in your life, amen? Because they are toxic, at least for this season, to be there. They do not bring anything good out of you. I had someone like that. My best friend growing up was named Brad. Wonderful man. We're friends now. He's doing great. I'm doing great. We didn't do good together. Can I tell you a story about my, my, my Brad story? I worked at Drury Inn right out of high school. You guys know what Drury Inn is? I was a night otter and a desk clerk. Well, they let you get discounts on rooms. So I was in college in my local town. My buddies were all out of town. They would come back into town, and I would rent them rooms at the employee rate, and we would throw parties. So I got, a, I got a connecting room up on the third floor, kind of in the back, away from everybody so they could be loud, so they could have a party. And I'm downstairs working, and I'm supposed to get off and then go up and join the party. Well, suddenly, I see all my friends leaving the parking lot. And then, and then my friend Brad comes down, and he goes, Hey, man, uh, there's a problem up in the room. Here's the key. And he gets in his truck and drives off. I'm like, what, what, what problem? I go upstairs. Somebody has got drunk, fell into the toilet, and ripped it from the wall. <laughs> And fortunately, somebody turned the water off. Praise God. Somebody turned the water off. But, but I'm sitting there. Yeah, you're wagging your friend. I mean, yeah, he works in hotels, and I, I, I get it. And I'm, and I'm going, oh, man, how am I going to cover this up? How am I going to cover this up? And I realize that the room is in my name because I used my employee discount so I am busted. And you know who was staying in the hotel that day? The district manager for all of the region. So it's not just my boss, it's my boss's boss. And so the next morning rolls around and I go in and they're saying, what happened in room so-and-so? And that would be me. And my district superintendent looked at me and he said, what are you gonna do? And I said, I'll pay for the damage. I broke it, at least I rented it to the idiot who broke it. And they and said, okay. And I, and I was expecting that morning to be fired, but I wasn't fired because my manager, a guy named Ted Bateman, who I'm eternally grateful to, went to bat for me. He said, he's a 19-year-old kid. He's a good employee. He did something really stupid. I think he deserves a second chance. How many people would have done that for a young man? Okay. How many people would help a young man? Ted helped me, but I had to pay for it. So we got a guy to fix it. We got an estimate. I... Uh, I wrote out a check, and I handed it to the district superintendent. He took my check, and he gave it to my boss. For me, it was a lot of money, but, but he looked at me and said, I hope you know that you deserve to be fired. I hope you know you deserve you know, not only to pay for this, but to be kicked out. But Ted went to bat for you, and so you need, you need to be appreciative of the second chance you're getting. Doesn't sound like much. It was a crummy job at a hotel, but it meant a lot to me because I'd never been fired. And so you know, a little bit of time went on. District Superintendent left, and I was sitting there with my boss one day, and he said, uh, Hey, Reese, yeah, you think you learned your lesson? I said, What lesson? This is the lesson. You're a pretty good kid. You're smart. But when your friends come back into town, you become a complete moron. (laughs) You make stupid decisions. Now, he said it in a slightly more colorful and animated way, (laughs) because we're guys. And I said, yes, sir, I know. He said, you just need to pick better friends or at least not let them influence you. And then he reached in his pocket and he took something out and he opened it up and it was my check. And he took it and he tore it up and he threw it in the trash. And he said, I think you've learned your lesson. I certainly hope so. That lesson has stuck with me. And I I hear Ted's voice talk to me. Who do you allow to walk with you on your journey of life. There's some people you have to take them with you, okay? You have to. And there's some people that you just need to not let them influence you. And there's some other people that that there's a role they need to play, and and you're you're okay with that. And then there's some people that they have no business being in your life because they are lodestones around your neck. They are stopping you from getting where God wants you to go. And so the question is, how do you recognize them? Well, what are, they, what are they hindering you from doing? Well, a lot of times, it's because they don't understand what is happening in your life, what God is trying to do. Or are they completely deceived? Well, let's, let's consider Lot. You guys, you guys remember Lot? Do you guys know who he was, the nephew of Abraham? Now, let's just ask a question. Did God tell him to bring his nephew with him on this journey? I think we just read God in fact said, "No, you're ne- leave all of those knuckleheads." And they aren't knuckleheads, they were rich. They were rich. He said, "Leave your rich relatives. You don't need them to make you rich. You know, I'm going to make you rich where I'm going to take it. Don't bring them with you." But he brought Lot and 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 whatever happened to Lot, he just went nuts. And, and there came this time where God blessed Abram, and he blessed Lot because Lot was related to Abram and they had so much stuff that they they had to separate. And and you know, this is how Abraham handled it, and this is how Lot handled it. So, Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him, excuse me. And and Abraham was 75 years old when he left Hannah. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, and they arrived in Canaan, okay? That's kind of the story from Genesis 6. It carried on that finally, Abraham said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to come between us and our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives, the whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plain of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the Garden of the Lord or a beautiful land of Egypt. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley, the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and his servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. What was Lot's problem? He thought he made himself rich. He had more confidence in the land and what it looked like than the promise that God had given his uncle. What what Lot didn't realize was the only reason he was prospering was because of his association with Abram. The blessing was not on Lot, the blessing was on Abram. And Lot, you know, was just confused. He, you know, hey man, I, I can prosper anywhere I go. I'm Lot, haven't you seen my herds? Haven't you seen my servants? Haven't you seen my wealth? Everything I touch prospers. It must be about me. It was not about him. And he didn't recognize that. And he chose to live with a bunch of immoral people rather than figure out a way to stay in relationship with his uncle. And that was his downfall. Because you look at what happens to him after this point, and it is not good. But you look at what happens to Abraham from this point, and it worked out pretty doggone good for him, amen? So that's it. You gotta realize there's just some people who hang out with you for what you got. And they're not really helping you get anywhere. They're just kind of eating at your trough, if I could use that term. That's a horrible term, isn't it? Eating at your trough. And in your life, you got to say, hey, who's traveling with me? Are they adding value or are they subtracting from my life? Well, well, you see the same thing with Moses. Now, Now, the person that Moses took with him was his wife, which is a reasonable thing to do. Remember, he went to who laughed at that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a reasonable thing to do, is to take your wife. But he he leaves from, from where he's at, which is Midian, and he goes back to Egypt. And it says in Exodus 4, on the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. What's up with that? You, in your burning bush, told me to go to Egypt and let my people go. So I'm going to Egypt. Why are you trying to kill me? What's up here? I mean, has anybody ever read that and kind of wondered what the deal was? And then it gets interesting because Moses' wife, Zipporah, or Zipporah, depending on who you ask, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. And when she said a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. And after that, the Lord left him alone. After she circumcises his son, God relents from killing him. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is I asked you earlier what was the one condition of the Abrahamic covenant? You circumcise your sons. Abraham circumcised his sons, his sons circumcised their sons. It is believed by some historians, again, this is difficult to prove, that, that, that Jethro, the priest of Midian, who was his father-in-law, was a direct descendant of, of Ishmael, that he was an Ishmaelite, and that uh, they understood that Abraham, because Ishmael was, was circumcised, that, that that tradition had carried down. But for whatever reason, Zipporah, or Zipporah didn't want to circumcise her son. And Moses, who was a Jew and circumcised himself and definitely understood that this was required, that when God spoke to him and sent him back to Egypt, that it would probably be a good idea for the leader to obey the one rule that God gave him. Amen? Otherwise, what legitimacy does he have with the people he's trying to lead? Apparently, it was big enough that God was going to kill him for it. So why didn't Zipporah do this? My opinion, you can consider this. Number one, she didn't value the covenant that God gave Abraham. I mean, whether I get circumcised or not, what's the big deal? I mean, seriously, why would God want my son circumcised? It's a stupid thing. He just asked. That's the issue. God asked you to do one thing, and you didn't want to do it. So apparently, it isn't a big deal to you to obey God. And if you don't obey God in this thing, will you obey God in something else? And if you're Moses and you're trying to get a team member on board to help you deliver several million Jews, you hope that they want to follow God, right? right. And cuz when they don't, it gets complicated. <laughs> you know, and here's his partner that doesn't want to do the second thing. Is she didn't value the call that was on his life? The implication, at least, that I get out of this, and again, I'm, I'm injecting stuff into it, is she doesn't sound to me like she's that excited to leave Midian and go to Egypt. I mean, we got, why are we going down there anyway? I mean, they're not my people. I mean, seriously, they're your people. I mean, you go, you go deliver them. Why why do I gotta go along? Why you know nah, this, I, I, we had it, we had it good, man. We I, I had Jethro around here, we had goats and chickens and all kinds of stuff. Now you want to go to a stinky, nasty Egypt place and try to deliver three million. First of all, you know how many Egyptians are there? And you tell me a burning bush talked to you, and we're gonna be doing miracles and signs and wonders down there, you're out of your freaking mind. What are you doing out here? You, you, you know what I'm saying? I don't sense somebody who's excited. What I sense is a terrible confrontation where, where God is saying that you both got to get on the same page, because if you're not, this whole thing is going to tank, okay? So that's just something to think about, all right? So are the people in your life excited about you? Are they excited about what God has given you, the promises God has given you, the the, the, the things that you hold and cherish and are dear to you? Or if they're not, maybe you should think about this. So is this a friendship, a partnership? Is this a a mentorship, or is this a no-way-ship, amen? What is this relationship? And then we have have Paul. And uh, there's a story about Paul and a man named Barnabas uh, being set apart for ministry. And they go off on on Paul's first missionary journey. And on this journey, they take a young man. His name is John Mark. John Mark is immature. John Mark gets halfway through the journey, or or maybe not even halfway, and says, I'm out of here. Man, I, I didn't know I signed on for this. I mean, we, get, we got jails and beatings and hardships, and, you know, this, is, this ain't fun. I uh, they You know, when Pastor Steve explained the missions trip, it was supposed to be fun, and we were supposed to be going to the Bahamas, and, and it's not the Bahamas. This trip is rough, and, I, you know, I, I don't like this. People are, you know, it's, I thought everybody would love us and everybody would welcome us. No, they're not all excited to see you, but this is the journey that God gave you. And John Mark goes home. John Mark goes home. says, in fact, that in Acts 15, that on a a subsequent trip, that when Barnabas and Paul were about to go together, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. But Paul said no. Paul said, he abandoned me the first time, and I'm not going to trust him to go with me the second. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's from the Andy Griffith Show, in case you didn't know it. (laughs) It's it's these kinds of things. And yet, this is the thing that's interesting to me. Barnabas says he is worth the time. Barnabas was John Mark's Ted Bateman. That's the guy who gave me a second chance. That's the guy who looked at a young man and said, you know something, you may have done something really stupid but I believe there's value in you. And I believe that if we work together, if you change our relationship and let me sow into you, mentor you, you know, invest in you, something amazing can happen. And that's just what happened with John Mark because he didn't stay a lodestone to Paul. In fact, if you, if you go to 2 Timothy 4, Paul is all by himself and he's, in, and he's writing back to Timothy and he says, look, I'm, I'm here, only Luke is with me Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. You see, a couple things there. Number one, John Mark was willing to recognize his need to change, his need to be mentored, his need to mature, his, his, his own stuff that he needed to work on. And he was willing to let somebody so into him. Now, Here's what I think. I don't think John Mark should have gone with Paul because I don't think Paul was interested in mentoring John Mark. I don't. But I do think John Mark was supposed to go with Barnabas. And sometimes in our journeys, we're called not only to invest in our own vision, our own dreams, our own people, places, and problems, but to come alongside others because we're called to the same places, the same people, and the same problems. And when that happens, we have to be willing to ask ourselves, am I a good traveling companion or a bad one? Do I bring value to this relationship or not? Am I helping that person become who God wants them to be? Do I value and esteem the call on their life? Do I I appreciate the covenant that we have? And if so, am I willing to be mentored and changed and become who they need me to be so that I can become valuable to them? All of this happens in the dog days. All of this happens from the moment we get an idea, a vision, a a promise to when we actually have the harvest. And it's a beautiful time, these dog days. They're difficult. They're hard. Like Paul, there may be some suffering in between. But the end result is magnificent because we become who and what God created us to be. Friday night, I was here with uh, some of our intercessors, and we were praying. Um, we have these encounter nights once a month. And I was sitting back in that back section there kind of by myself because I, I like praying by myself because, I don't know, maybe i just weird. But I, I'm back there, and I'm, I'm praying about this, this sermon series and about, you know, really, Lord, what do you want me to show and give me a visual? And I get this image in my head, and this is just a, a weird image. It was a, a loaf of bread that was cut in half and been turned sideways so you could see the interior of the bread. And in my mind, I went, what the heck is that? I said, God, that's a picture of a loaf of bread. And, and I'm like, I'm, maybe I'm just having a random thought. And I said, then it came again, and I said, no, this is from the Holy Spirit. Bread is from the Holy Spirit? What are you trying to say? And he said, look closer. Felt the Holy Spirit say, look closer. I said, look closer. And, and you see that within the bread, there's all these little holes and all these little gaps. And it's because of carbon dioxide, they tell me, or something that, you know, creates those kinds of things. And what God said is, is it's, it's not what's there that gives bread its unique texture and taste. It's what's missing. It's all of those gaps and all of those holes and all of those little empty spots and he said, people develop their taste and their texture and their uniqueness during their dog days. Just as bread creates its character because of the gaps and the little holes that are in the surface. Does that make sense? So, <laughs> all right. My, my story to you is do not begrudge the season you're in. Every season has a purpose. There's, there is seed time and there is harvest there is fall, there is spring, but there's also summer. And it may be hot, and it may be sticky, and it may be uncomfortable, and maybe you got some, some of the wrong people in the wrong places doing the wrong things, and you need to adjust your relationships because who you bring along is important. But, but recognize the end result is going to be something magnificent, and you're going to become the finished work of art that God wants you to be. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Uh, if I could have our intercessors to go ahead and come up, those who are in the room, I want you to line up if you would as we begin. Father, I thank you for this family and I thank you for this message. I thank you, God, that, that you help us to recognize um, in ourselves where we're, we're just falling short or we haven't really embraced the, the path that you've called us to. And you have a path for each of us. And, and I, I know that. You have a people, a place, and a problem you want us to solve. And we're not just called our, ourselves, we're called with others to, to those same problems. But God, help us to, to discern those things. And God, if we have, if we have relational problems, if we, if we have made people more important than you, then, then forgive us. Uh, if we're like you know, Moses and we wanted to, to do something to, to, to make somebody else happy but it's not really what you want, then God, forgive us and help us and restore us. If we're immature like John Mark, then help us not be discouraged because of our immaturity. Help us not be depressed because of our imperfection, but help us find those Barnabases out there who will love us and, and, and help us grow and thrive and, and leave our youthful foolishness behind that we might become the men and women of God that you called us to be. I'm going to kind of not say amen because I think the Holy Spirit wants to continue to do some things. And the reason I'm I'm so grateful these ladies have come forward. And if you guys could kind of slide, you know, Ms. Chin and others to the middle there's some people, I did this for service, I believe God really does want to heal some people and God wants to deliver some people from just depression, discouragement, you know, deceptions. And there's some people, you got some junk you need to get out of your life. It might be as simple as, as like Pastor C said, you never saw a sale you, you could, you didn't want to buy. I mean, it might be some kind of habitual thing. I believe that if you say that's me and are willing to give God another five minutes, as I dismiss in just a minute, you'll just come forward and let these, these young ladies just pray with you, and young men, and we will see God do something special in your life. You will see God do something special in your life. But I, it's going to take you being willing to stay around for five minutes and just spend a little time with our intercessory team. And who knows? You've got nothing to lose except the burden that you've been carrying. Go with God. We'll see you uh, at Wednesday Space and Place or next Sunday morning here at Encounter. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.